Welcome to Animalia, a podcast all about making it easy and inclusive to learn about this big, beautiful planet, the life we share it with, and how to protect it. This is the five-minute summary version of our episode about living seawalls, meant to provide a quick snapshot if you are, say, on the go. If anything in here interests you, I recommend you listen to the full version when you have a chance. Man-made seawalls are everywhere across the world, dating back as far as ancient Egyptians. They protect coastal cities from flooding and storms and extend urban development. Unfortunately, these traditional seawalls also can really damage oceans over the long haul. They disrupt ocean drift and cause coastal erosion, which damages critical marine coastal ecosystems that we depend on for water quality, for fishing, for water oxygenation, and much more. While natural protective barriers such as mangrove and kelp forests and coral reefs provide the same protection, well, they're eroding as well due to ocean warming and acidification. And while sea levels rise and tropical storms increase, those living in coastal cities will need more and more protection against the elements as we adapt to the changing climate. Enter Living Seawalls, an incredible innovation from a team down under that we're excited to share with you. Dr. Catherine Defran and Dr. Mariana Meyer-Pinto, two of the five amazing people behind this project, joined us to chat about it. So what exactly is a living seawall? Basically, a a modular habitat panel mosaic is a living seawall. We've designed uh, habitat panels that incorporate natural features like rock pools, um, seagrass, uh, sorry, seaweeds, roots, um, and uh, mangrove roots. And that kind of recreate some of the natural habitats that we're losing along our coastlines. Okay, how about a little more detail? So there are fundamental differences with seawalls and natural rocky shores, right? So for example, in Sydney Harbour, where we live and most of our work is based, our rocky shores are are actually mostly horizontal. Uh, So just the fact that the seawalls are vertical, that means that the habitat available for the organisms to live, especially in the intertidal, where it gets submerged and and, um, out of the water during tides, is actually much smaller, right? So that actually prevents um, organisms, is is more challenging for organisms to, to colonize. And when you look at natural rocky shores, either they are vertical or, or horizontal, you find a lot of microhabitats. So rock pools and crevices and nooks where organisms can actually use as shelter um, for not only the harsh environment like high temperatures, but also from predators and stuff. So our panels actually provide this extra habitat area and protection for organisms to colonize and live and hopefully thrive. So what we are seeing is that uh, with our different designs, like different organisms like seaweeds and shellfish um, and fish, actually, they utilize the, the different designs in different ways. So we are enhancing the overall biodiversity in these um, in the living seawalls compared to the very flat, unmodified seawalls. These panels are really neat, and we encourage you to check them out in the link in our show notes. They can attach to existing seawalls, or they can be built into the design of a new construction. And while the team stresses we should always be prioritizing natural ocean coastal protection, again, such as coral reefs and mangroves, when the need is there, these living seawalls can protect both people and marine ecosystems. 
One interesting benefit of living seawalls is how they contribute to something like water quality. We did measure how much the oysters on those panels were uh, filtering the water. And as I said, the oysters are kind of a powerhouse of filtration, right? So they can clean literally like, I don't know if you've seen those classic videos that you have like a tank with and without oysters with turbid mm -hmm. water and after two hours the water is clean so what we saw is that on our own um, panels these oysters actually are filtering more than oysters that we found on unmodified seawall so we have greater particle like removal of particles from the water so what we are hoping now is that to measure that, we actually need to create those chambers, like chambers, so we can measure particles in the water before and after in a controlled kind of sciencey way. Um, and we are developing that. Uh, Alex, which is the designer, has done it. So we are trying to do that to actually start measuring um, the particle rates in the seawalls compared to the in the living seawalls compared to the unmodified seawalls. But for what we know uh, from our early experiments and visually, like the amount of oysters we do have quantified in our panels, that we are likely having impacts in the local water quality. Currently, the team has living seawalls deployed in eleven different locations. But given the massive funding behind seawalls right now, $2 billion in Charleston, South Carolina, $4.5 billion in Miami-Dade, just as examples, I expect this new approach to rapidly accelerate, or at least I hope it will. As we adapt to our changing climate, and in the case of coastal cities under serious threat of flooding and storms, that means protective seawalls, we need to do so in a way that not only protects humans, but natural ecosystems as well. This is a great example of that. Kudos to the team behind this innovation. It's something to celebrate at a time it can be difficult to find such things. And don't forget, the entire interview and full episode is available in the same place you got the short summary version. So go check it out.